just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. It's a Sunday, so it should be a light day in news, right? Come on, we haven't had a light day in news for five years. Since Donald Trump took office in 2016, every day has been crazy, ridiculous, funny, traumatic, dramatic, whatever. It seems like it never stops. And I guess I should be partially thankful for that. If not for all that drama, I wouldn't have as much to talk about on TikTok or on the podcast. But that said, I would like to see it calm down a little bit. Remember the whole Obama administration? Everything seemed to be much calmer. There were problems and issues, of course. But it wasn't every day pounding on your head this craziness, this chaotic mess coming at you all day, every day. So I'm looking forward to that day when things do calm down and we can just smile and maybe talk about some happy shit. But we'll see. I think we're a ways away from that. Now, I have to tell you, on a personal note, last night, my wife and I were a little depressed, a little disappointed. Now, as I've told you before, my wife and I follow closely the women's gopher hockey team. And they were in the playoffs, hopefully to ultimately play for the national championship. Now, I will tell you, the Minnesota Gopher women's hockey team has won the national championship seven times since 2001. So they're a good team. They're always fun to watch. And um, we have a good time going out to see them. Now, they're in the playoffs. And they needed to win a game last night to get them into the Final Four, or as they call it, the Frozen Four in Pennsylvania at Penn State. Now, who they were playing was the University of Minnesota Duluth, another Minnesota team. Now, the Minnesota Gophers had beaten this team six times this year. So we felt pretty confident that they would beat UMD. They're a good school. They're a good team. Uh, They belonged in the playoffs, so nothing's for sure. But we thought, you know, the odds are with the Gophers. Well, they played UMD last night, and they lost 2-1. to They lost fair and square. UMD was the better team that night. So our plans to go to Penn State in Pennsylvania to go see the Frozen Four, poof, up in smoke. We're not doing that now. That's not to say I wouldn't want to watch UMD. I have no animosity toward UMD. It's a Minnesota college. We're happy to see that. Hell, both my kids went to UMD, University of Minnesota Duluth. But that's not our team. Our team is the Gophers, and we'd want to see them play. So we're not going to Pennsylvania on Thursday. We're going to go someplace else. We don't even know where yet. But I told my wife, it's got to be someplace warmer. Some place maybe we haven't been before or that we have been to and we like. So I'll let you know where we're going to be headed off to. And this weekend, this coming weekend, next weekend, um, I might be off a day or two from the uh, podcast because I'll be gone. But I'll keep you updated on that situation and let you know what you can expect. So disappointed by the go for loss, but there's always next year. And uh, we'll push through it, I'm sure. (laughs) Now, of course, we always ask for emails. And you can always email me directly at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Go to anchor.fm, look for the Rational Boomer podcast, and you can leave a voicemail. And as of late, we've been getting a lot of emails and some voicemails, too. And I'm happy to see that. And as it uh, happens... I have a couple of more emails today. (laughs) Now, I have to say, you know, this whole concept of coming up with a hashtag, somehow tying Republicans and Russians together, I put that out a while ago, that's kind of taken off. Every day I get an email with some ideas. They're all good ideas. And it wasn't really a contest. I wasn't trying to decide which one would be the best, but I was waiting to see what would be come up with by the folks listening to the podcast. And as it uh, happens, 
we got another email from Karen. She says, hi, Mike. I really liked communist conservative clan. That's what we talked about in the previous podcast. Now, the interesting thing about it is communist, conservative, and clan are all spelled with K's. And he, uh, the gentleman that sent that to me said, I really like this, but I realize it's too long. Um, and, and Karen says, however, and rightly so, you thought it was too long. How about <laughs> hashtag commie con clan? Kami-Khan clan. She's just shortened it, and it still makes sense. And, of course, Kami and Khan and clan are all, starting with a K, taking us down the KKK route, throwing in the racism and the white supremacy. So that's nice. It ties all everything together. I do like it. Whether that's the one, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would ever know the right one when it comes along. But it's interesting. We've run across a few that were short and to the point that seemed to fit. Uh, something like this one, Kami Khan Klan, that fits. Communist Conservative Klan, the one the gentleman gave us yesterday and was the, uh, um, the original that uh, Karen based hers on. I don't know. I like them. Let me know what you think. Now, the second email I got comes from Bruce. He says, hey, Mike, I really love your podcast. I listen to them daily. In my opinion, your analysis is spot on. And I agree that we should keep the sanctions in place until we get the psychopath off the world stage. And that was the premise I brought up yesterday. We have the sanctions on Russia. While we can't really fight with them in Ukraine for fear of starting World War III, we have the sanctions, and now that we have the sanctions, the uh, economy in Russia is really in trouble. So that gives us a certain amount of power about the future of Russia. We've got their economy in our hands. Now, a lot of people would say, as soon as they pull out of Ukraine, let's let go of the sanctions. And I say, no. I say, the next step is let's get, make them get rid of Putin before we let up on the sanctions. And uh, that's a good idea. But I say that's not far enough because what we really need to do is somehow address the nuclear weapons because that's the one thing that is the fly in the ointment for the rest of the world. They don't have much of an economy. Their military is only moderately as strong as we thought they were, at least based on what we've seen in Ukraine. So once we got rid of Vladimir Putin, hopefully we'd get somebody other than um, somebody like Putin in there, we get somebody better, and we try to get put some kind of muzzle or governor or something on the nuclear weapons so they couldn't be held over our head every day or hold us hostage. Now, I don't know if anything's like that's possible, but I've always said when you're in a fight with a bully, you knock them down, you better make sure they stay down because they're going to jump on your back as you're walking away, and that's what I'm suggesting with uh, Russia, we can't just say, get rid of Putin, get out of Ukraine, because we don't know who's coming next, and they may be worse. So we got to take some power away from them. Okay, enough explanation. I'll go on with what he said. He said, Western drug makers are still providing medicines to Russia. Health product companies are scaling back operations in the country, but say they have a responsibility to provide their goods. I have mixed feelings here. I really don't want to hurt Russian people, but I want to bring this shit in Ukraine to an end. Your thoughts, Bruce. And, you know, Bruce is right. That's a conundrum. It is. Now, the sanctions, as much as they hurt the citizens of Russia, and that's not what we want to do, since we can't fight with Russia, since we can't bomb Russia, since we can't do any of those things, we have to put pressure on him within his own country so they decide to act, whether they be the citizens, the military, the government, the oligarchs. We've got to pressure them, and that doesn't always seem fair, but that's really the only option we have. Now, what Bruce is suggesting is that Western companies are still providing medication, and He's asking my thoughts on that. Should we just cut them off of medication or should we keep supplying them as kind of a uh, humanitarian gesture? 
And that is a tough question because what we're really doing is trying to pressure the people of the country to force them to try to get rid of Vladimir Putin. But I think there is a point, an area, a line we shouldn't cross, and I think it is this medication thing. These people are suffering uh, miserably <clears throat> with the economy the way it is. But when it comes to their personal health, I think uh, we'd we'd be um, not seen very well if we took it away from them. I don't want people to get sicker than they are if they have diabetes and they need insulin. I don't want them to not have that and die for ridiculous reasons. That's exactly what we were fighting about with COVID. People dying unnecessarily. And the Russian people aren't our enemy. Vladimir Putin is. His military and his government is our enemy. Um, so what I would say about this, Bruce, is we've got enough pressure on the citizens of, U- of, of Russia. In fact, they haven't even really felt the bulk of what's going to happen to them yet. They have no idea what's coming because uh, Vladimir Putin keeps put, pushing out this disinformation. So um, they are going to be squeezed unbelievably as time goes on here and their money isn't worth anything and they have to stand in lines to get food. Some people have said this will put them in a similar situation economically as to what they were in 94, 95 after, <clears throat> after the uh, Soviet Union broke apart. That's pretty devastating. And I don't think we have to hold back medicine. I think it's probably a good idea. I mean, it's fine to be tough and to handle bullies, and I'm a firm believer in that. But uh, I think we draw the line at holding off medications to innocent people in Russia that need it. All right, let's talk about what's going on. Now, we've all heard Russia is trying to sell the idea that America and Ukraine uh, has chemical weapons plants in Ukraine. This, of course, is a big-ass lie. Russia's military is failing miserably uh, in their war against Ukraine. So it's clear what they need to do is they need to ramp up uh, what they're doing in Ukraine. They can't win the way it's going, so they've got to do something else. And that would suggest uh, that, of course, they would ramp it up to chemical weapons or biological warfare. I mean, we've seen this before. They've done it before. This isn't new to Russia. Now, with this lie, they would then attempt to place the blame on America and Ukraine. That's their modus operandi. So, so what they're doing is they're, they're, they're blaming America and Ukraine for having these biomedical weapons labs uh, or um, chemical weapons labs in Ukraine. And they're saying, Vladimir Putin's basically saying, oh, my God, they have chemical weapons plants in Ukraine. This is why we're attacking Ukraine. We're trying to be the good guys. So we have every right to attack Ukraine, even though it's all bullshit. So then we have China chime in and they say, oh, no, not chemical weapons. Those bastards, those freaking Americans see China just kind of supporting the narrative with Russia. But then we have Republicans. Republicans are jumping on board and perpetuating that information. I talked about it some yesterday. And here's the deal. People are always asking that they're hearing about these biological weapons labs in Ukraine. There are no chemical weapons labs or biological weapons labs in Ukraine. There is none. Now, of course, a little later on, we hear this undersecretary of some shit or another who's in a hearing and say, yeah, there are biomedical labs in, in Ukraine. And then, of course, all the Republicans in Russia jumps on that. See, I told you, somebody in Biden's own administration admits to it. I can't believe that they fucking admitted to it. Well, here's what you need to understand. There are biological labs in just about every state in this country. 
and none of them are creating chemical weapons. None of them. There are other reasons to have these labs. And there probably are some labs in Ukraine. But from what I understand, these labs are there, these biological weapons defense labs. They're not creating weapons. They're creating defenses against chemical weapons. Now, somebody might say, why would they do that? Well, they're right next door to Russia, and Russia is known for using chemical weapons. They're trying to fucking protect themselves. Now, the Republicans will say, well, Joe Biden is fucking funding them. Yeah, Joe Biden, the American government, is helping to fund a lot of these labs, these uh, chemical warfare defense labs. They don't like chemical warfare either. There's no evidence that the United States has ever used something like that. Plenty of evidence that Russia has. So these are labs, sure, but they are trying to build up defenses to chemical weapons. And that's not surprising. But you see what they're doing here. You can see what they're saying and what they're doing, and they're doing all the same things. It's like when the Mueller report came out. They started saying there's no evidence of anything in the Mueller report. Well, the fact of the matter is there was at least 10 occasions of obstruction of justice by Donald Trump. But they kept saying there's nothing in it, nothing in it, and people started repeating it. They're doing the same thing here. They're trying to spread the narrative that Joe Biden and America put in um, chemical warfare labs, chemical weapons labs, in Ukraine, which they didn't. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Joe Biden's been in office for a year and a half. If there was a chemical weapons lab in Ukraine, it would have had to have been put in there long before, say maybe even during the Trump administration. So the whole thing is a fucking bunch of bullshit. But they're trying to gaslight people. They're trying to control the narrative, as I've said before. And they keep spewing this and spewing this. And then the Republicans jump on it. All of it is a fucking lie. So what you need to do is not listen to it. Because there's no evidence of it. And they're taking a little bit of something, exploiting it immensely, and making it look bad. But it's not bad at all. It was actually labs that would create defenses for chemical weapons because, well, Russia uses a lot of chemical weapons. I get tired of seeing this, you know. These people are constantly trying to gaslight you or ramrod you into something that just isn't fucking true. And unfortunately, there's a certain amount of people that believe it. I talk to them all the time. They start spewing these things, and it gets tiring after a while because it's clearly a lie. I know it's a lie. I've seen the evidence. And then I'll say to them, where did you get this? And they either don't answer or they give me some bullshit answer, like some crazy fucking website, conspiracy theory website, or Fox News or OAN. And I explain to them, those aren't reliable sources. Well, I think they are. Well, I think you're fucking wrong. And we can prove it. But they don't want to hear that. They don't want to listen to it. And uh, no matter how hard you try, as I've said before, um, you're not going to change their minds. You're just not going to change their minds in any way, shape, or form. So it's almost not worth it. Fortunately, the people that believe that shit, that follow Donald Trump and the Republicans that are part of this, are a small faction of the voters. We're talking maybe 30% at best of this country. And fortunately, 30% isn't enough to win any fucking election. Yeah, I know they're talking about the voter suppression and the gerrymandering and all that stuff. There's one sure way to beat all that stuff, and that's by sheer numbers. People going out and vote in mass, much like they did in 2020. Now, during the midterms, they're not as popular, and typically... Most, uh, they, they don't have as many voters during the midterms because it doesn't involve a presidential election. We should take note of this. This uh, theory applies not only to Democrats, but to Republicans. They don't typically 
vote as much in the midterm. So now that we know that, we need to somehow continue to whip people up in this country to get in, out and vote in a midterm in mass. And then that gerrymandering and all this voter suppression doesn't really matter. There'll be so many people from the Democratic sides of things that will come out and vote. They can cheat any way they want, but they just cannot win. And hopefully, well, hopefully, that's the way it'll work out. So part of my job here with the Rational Boomer podcast and TikToks and some of the things other folks can do, including you, is to keep stealing the narrative, take the lies away, and drown it out with the truth. Republicans are in bed with Russians. They support Vladimir Putin. They support the invasion on Ukraine. Now, there's more and more Republicans separating themselves from that, trying to say, well, we don't believe in that, and thinking we'll start to like them now because now all of a sudden they've decided to separate from the fucking nutcases. Well, that's another good sign for us, too, because you see what's happening is we're splitting up the Republican Party, which will make them weaker. You have the crazies and the other people that are trying to be normal again. A large amount of these crazies will be running for office during the midterms. And make no mistake, the crazier the fucking candidate, that's who we want running against a Democrat. The crazier, the fucking better. Because they're going to have a hard time getting elected, even by Republicans, because they're stepping away from them. So I hope all these crazy Republicans are in competition with Democrats in the elections, because then it will be a clean sweep. Nobody in their right mind, certainly not enough people in their right mind, will vote for these crazy fucks. And they don't understand that. They think they have all these people um, doing all these things, um, and, and there's enough of them to win elections. So here's what you need to do. Get out and vote in mass and work your ass off until we just bury these people with votes and they have absolutely no opportunity of winning. Once that happens and we control the House and the Senate, then the Democrats can do pretty much anything they want for the next two years. So you got to focus on that. Don't listen to the conspiracy theories. Don't listen to the bullshit and the lies. Just try to drown out the narrative by telling the truth and putting it out there and continue putting it out there. All right, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. All right, there was a news story late last night. Apparently, Iran has launched as many as 12 ballistic missiles at the Iraqi city of Erbil. That was last night. And interestingly enough, it was very close to an unoccupied American consulate currently under construction. Now, no U.S. personnel have been killed or injured, and no facilities were damaged. But make no mistake, this was an attack. I mean, you don't just accidentally send off 12 ballistic missiles into another country unless you're trying to do something or send a message. Now, I don't know if this means Iran is attacking Iraq or if Iran is trying to attack a... um, an American facility? It sure seems like it. Why pick that spot? and Why so close to an American consulate? Granted, it's not occupied, but still, it's the thought that counts, right? Here's another thing to keep in mind. Iran is very closely aligned with Russia. They are allies. So what's really going on here? Was Iran trying to attack Iraq? Was Iran trying to scare off the Americans from the American consulate? I don't know. There may be something deeper to this. Because Iran and uh, Russia are so closely aligned, you have to maybe wonder if Russia didn't encourage Iran to do this so that it would distract Americans from the Ukrainian war. You know, maybe they could distract enough where America wouldn't help Ukraine as much because now they're focused on Iraq, or that maybe they would have to pull some of their weaponry out of Ukraine and send it to Iraq. Well, 
that's not going to happen. And this seems like some silly game that uh, Vladimir Putin is playing. But of course, we know that's what the fuck he does. He plays fucking games. Like this whole concept of saying there's uh, chemical weapons plants in Ukraine. Trying to cause confusion, trying to cause some chaos. And when they do that, they think that's going to give them an advantage in the war. Well, this thing in Iraq probably won't distract them from Ukraine. Ukraine's kind of a big deal, and we have some responsibility in trying to keep Ukraine as safe as possible. Obviously, we're not doing a great job because we can't go in and start World War III, but at least we're providing weapons and support and those sorts of things. And maybe, just maybe, Russia is trying to get us off of that and focused on something else. Well, like everything else Russia has tried, it's not going to fucking work. But it's weird. And it's interesting that Russia can... uh, engage with other countries around the world and have them do their bidding. That's a little scary in its own right. Now, there's an interesting rumor going around. There are a few reports that Vladimir Putin has put FSB Director of Intelligence Sergei Vachetta under house arrest. Now, this is apparently because he provided bad intelligence on the viability of the invasion of Ukraine. Basically, he says that Sergei Vachetta told him that Ukraine would welcome Russian troops in as liberators, that they would be viewed as heroes. Clearly, that was very wrong. In fact, Ukraine stepped up and started to fight back. So now Vlad is upset about this, but more importantly, Vlad is embarrassed and frustrated by it. So the question here is, did this guy and the intelligence organizations within Russia really tell Vladimir Putin this stuff and fooled him? Vladimir Putin didn't know. He just listened to these guys and said, well, okay, we're going into Iran and or into Ukraine and be fucking heroes. I find that hard to believe. I really do find that hard to believe. Because of the personality that Vladimir Putin is, you'd have to think that even when they're wrong, they have to blame somebody else, much like Donald Trump. He fucks up and blames it on somebody else. And that's kind of what it looks like here with this situation with the Ukraine. Maybe this intelligence officer gave him bad advice. Maybe he felt pressured to do so. You don't go into a leader like Vladimir Putin, and give him bad news or tell him that your military is weak or that we can't handle Ukraine. It's really kind of hard to go in and tell Vladimir Putin that because he's going to be pissed and probably send you off to some fucking gulag in Serbia or whatever. So then he has to give him some hope and he gives him that information that, uh, yeah, you'll be heroes when you go into Ukraine and then he's wrong. And he's in the same fucking situation. That's the problem with working for an authoritarian leader. It's a no-win situation. You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. But I got to believe that Vladimir Putin was the one that made the decision on this, the one that pulled the trigger. He is the one that desperately wants Ukraine, and he's willing to do anything for it. So much that he was working with Donald Trump years before, trying to set up Ukraine for this very circumstance. You know, trying to vilify Ukraine, uh, coercing and harassing and blackmailing the president of Ukraine, trying to pull away uh, military aid, trying to break up NATO and all those sorts of things. So clearly, Vladimir Putin and and, uh, Donald Trump were dealing with this well before this invasion. And some people will say, well, why is it they didn't invade while Donald Trump was in office? A couple of reasons I've heard. First of all, one expert told told us that uh, apparently Vladimir Putin didn't think his army was ready to go into Ukraine as yet. They weren't properly prepared. That's believable, given the fact that when they did go in, they were still improperly prepared. 
They were inept. They were incompetent. So if uh, a year or two previous, uh, they would have probably been worse. So that's one reason why they're saying that Vladimir Putin wanted to send them in when he did, you know, as opposed to doing it under Donald Trump. Now, the other reason why they're saying that he didn't do it while Donald Trump was in office is because all the while this was going on, he was waiting for the time when um, Donald Trump would break up or weaken NATO because that would have been a better opportunity. If NATO is split apart, then he can go in and do pretty much anything, and NATO doesn't really have the power to push back. Well, he figured wrong because he went in after Donald Trump was out of office, Joe Biden's in office. He goes into the Ukraine, and guess what? NATO is more unified than ever before, so unified that just about every country in the world is sanctioning Russia. They are crushing Russia. So Vladimir Putin made a series of bad choices. First of all, going into Ukraine in the first place, and then being arrogant enough to think that he could just walk in and take this place over in three days. He didn't. So now Vladimir Putin's pissed off. His army isn't as strong as he thought it was. His idea wasn't working. And because he's a narcissist, he's not going to say, well, I fucked that up. He's not going to admit to that. There's no fucking way he's admitting to that. So what do you do? You blame it on somebody else. Because it's all about how he looks to his administration, to his government, to the military, to the people. See, the other problem he has, he's been trying to gaslight his citizens, saying, oh, no, it's all good. It's going the way it's supposed to be going. They attacked us. They're a bunch of fucking Nazis. And that's what he was selling to uh, to the Russian citizens. And he was doing a good job of it, too. I heard a story, I think it was yesterday, where a young woman who was living in Ukraine but was Russian called home to her mother in Russia. And it was explained and she was explaining how bad it was there, how they were bombing Kiev and how people were dying and how everything was being destroyed. And her mom said, Oh, I don't believe that. That's not true. That's not what we see on the news. She has been so gaslighted, her daughter can be in the middle of a fucking war zone. You probably hear the bombs in the background. She's trying to tell her mom, and her mom refuses to believe it. I think ultimately she did buy into it and believe it, and now she's appalled. But see, there's the problem. And this is why Vladimir Putin probably is trying to blame somebody else, because he realizes that the citizens of Russia are going to find this out. You look at demonstrations in Russia, outside of Russia, in Prague, Czechoslovakia, You've got tens of thousands of people out there protesting. And you have to give the people in Russia that are protesting a lot of credit because there's a lot of bad things that can happen to you if you protest in Russia. In fact, I heard something where they said Russia and Putin made it illegal to even bring up the word war or invasion. I mean, that's what we're dealing with when we have an authoritarian regime running our country. And that's certainly not something we want to fucking have here. That's why we've got to shut this down as quickly as possible. So anyway, now that the citizens are starting to hear more of what's going on, he's going to look bad to the citizens, which could cause an uprising and could cause him to be run the fuck out of town, not only out of town, but out of the fucking country, if not killed. So now he's got to protect himself there, and he does that by blaming somebody else. That's how they always do it. Now, he still looks stupid because he was duped by this guy who told him the wrong things, but at least it's his fault and not Vladimir's fault. And it's all about how he's going to look to the citizens. So that may explain why he did what he did with this um, with this uh, foreign director or intelligence director. Uh, So he's now currently under house arrest. Vladimir Putin had him arrested. 
He's under house arrest, and he's being blamed for the fuck-up of going into Ukraine with an invasion. So right there, you've got to understand that Vladimir Putin is essentially admitting he fucked up, that he made the wrong choice. Now, he'll never say that, but just by virtue of blaming somebody for bad information when they went into Ukraine, that would have to suggest that going into Ukraine and invading it was ill-advised. This is a tough situation for Vladimir Putin. People are finding out about what's going on, and he's got to kind of own up to it, but he doesn't want to take the blame for it, so he pawns it off on some fucking buddy else. Now, we were talking about the games that Vladimir Putin plays, you know, the gaslighting, the lying, the propaganda, the rhetoric, and all this sort of things. And, and we're hearing about some other things that are going on that are equally as silly. Russia has been trying to get Belarus into the Ukraine war. They fucking need help. And Belarus is just north. It's on the northern border with Ukraine. And they are allies to Russia. In fact, they allowed Russia to stage um, military vehicles and tanks and those sorts of things in Belarus. So when they came into the country, they had another option coming from the north. And now there's going to be some sanctions against Belarus, which is a much smaller country, isn't very strong, and won't be hard to break. But now Vladimir Putin is seeing that he needs more men, he needs more fighting people, he needs them coming from a different direction, so he would like the military from Belarus to come into the war. In fact, the president of Belarus is a buddy of Vladimir Putin, And he's telling his military, go in there and fight. Problem is, nobody in the Belarusian military wants any part of this fucking war. They don't want to get in it. Certainly the grunts on the ground don't want to get in it. And even the officers don't want to get in it. So Vladimir Putin, whoever else, tells these officers, send them in, let's start fighting. (laughs) And the um, Belarusian uh, officers say, fuck that, we're not doing that. We're just not fucking doing that. So what's Vladimir Putin do? He gets rid of all the Belarusian officers, and he replaces them with Russian officers. But it went even further than that. (laughs) Like I say, Vlad Putin likes to play games. He likes to lie. He likes to gaslight people. He was so desperate to get Belarus into this war. Uh, The Russian army sent some missiles into Belarus. Now keep in mind, Belarus and Russia are allies. Why would you do that to your fucking allies? Well, he was trying to give them the impression that those missiles came from Ukraine and hopefully pissed them off enough to say, fuck it, we're going to fight. And even still, they didn't fight. I think they probably figured it out. But these are all things that uh, that uh, Vladimir Putin is doing out of desperation. And it's pretty, uh, <clears throat> pretty interesting. I don't know if any of this is going to work. I think everything that Vladimir Putin has done up to this point has failed. And... Uh, It's hard to say where this is going to go. You talk to any expert about this and they say, this is a no-win situation for Vladimir Putin. He stepped in it. He has no way out of it without looking like a coward, which he won't do. He can go in and destroy the country, uh, but, but he doesn't have the wherewithal to run the country. So he'll go in, he'll destroy it, he'll maybe occupy certain areas, But he won't be able to occupy the whole country. He won't be able to get the Ukrainian people to side with him and say, okay, we're behind you now. That will never happen because of all the fighting that's going on and how hard Ukraine is pushing to fight back. So he's in a no-win situation. He's in it now. He can't find a way to pull out. He's getting his own soldiers killed. He's getting 
I think I heard a number of two or three billion dollars worth of military equipment, tanks, boats, uh, planes, helicopters. They're being taken out by the Ukrainian army and civilians for that matter. So he's in a tough spot. He thinks he's a tough guy and he's going to make all kinds of threats. But uh, you got to wonder, when does it end and how does it end? And that's why, you know, to a large degree, to a large degree, we've uh, we've got to keep pushing them. And I think that's what, what Biden is doing. It seems like Biden is doing nothing. Um, but he is supplying a lot of weaponry and, and ammunition and such to Ukraine. And that's all he sees he can do once he steps into Ukraine and starts fighting with the Ukraine army, then immediately it's presumed that we're in World War III because we've got all these NATO nations going in at once and taking out Russia. And they will do it pretty easily. You take all of NATO and put it up against the Russian military, it's fucking no match at all. And all the time this is going on, you have to understand they're bleeding money. And one thing Russia doesn't have a lot of is money. Their economy is pretty small. Their economy is limited to oil production and sales. Now, America and UK and I think Canada have said, we're not taking your oil anymore. Several big companies that use uh, Russian oil have said, we aren't dealing with that anymore. It doesn't shut down completely the... uh, the oil business, uh, because I think he deals with China. They're still sending oil to Europe because Europe is pretty dependent on Russian oil. So they're still selling product and they're still making money, but it's been seriously depleted. They're not making as much money. And with all the sanctions and you can't move money around, you can't use the U.S. dollar, you can't use the SWIFT program, They're in trouble. It's hard. It's almost impossible for them to do any kinds of business. Now, the interesting thing that Vladimir Putin did, again, with the games and the gaslighting and the bullshit, he went on Russian television and essentially told Russian citizens that America has okayed it for them, gave them permission to use chemical weapons in Ukraine. Well, of course, America didn't do that. But what people do in positions like this, they look at something, they want something, and they figure out the wrong thing, but then they rationalize out why they should do it. Now, America has never said you can use chemical weapons, but what America has said is, look, we don't want to get into World War III, so we're not going to go into Ukraine. We're not going to fight against the Russian military. And what Vladimir Putin takes out of this is, well, I guess you're saying that uh, we can do anything we want as long as we stay within Ukraine, which is not the case. And this is the thing I was talking about before. You've sanctioned the hell out of them. You don't want to get in World War III, so what are you going to do if they do something with chemical weapons? That is pretty horrific if they do that. Tens of thousands of people will die at least with chemical weapons. Russia knows that. And they also know, apparently, that uh, America and other European countries won't touch them. They won't go into battle with them. They won't try to fight them if they stay within the boundaries of Ukraine. In a way, that's kind of permission for them to use chemical weapons, because now Vladimir Putin knows, even if I do use chemical weapons, what the fuck are they going to do? They've already sanctioned me, and we know they're afraid to go in and fight because of the possibility of the Third World War. So for all intents and purposes, while not directly Uh, Joe Biden in America has basically said, go ahead, do whatever you want, because we're not doing anything but more sanctioning and more providing of uh, weapons and ammo and that sort of thing. So he goes on TV in Russia and basically says, they say it's okay, which isn't true. 
I mean, I can't even imagine going on TV and saying this to the Russian citizens and having them fucking buy that. That makes no sense. But that's the modus operandi of Vladimir Putin. He will lie, cheat, and steal to get his way because all that matters is that he gets his way. He doesn't care about his citizens or his government or his military suffering. He doesn't care about that. And there's no way out for him because he can't back off now. He's probably sitting back and saying going into Ukraine was a big fuck-up. He'll never admit it, that it was his fault, but he knows he made the wrong choice. He knows he's in a tough situation. He knows his own country might kick him the fuck out of the country. And that is our best hope, as I've said before. If we're not going to go toe-to-toe with Russia, then we have to count on the people in Russia to kick him out. Because that's the ultimate goal. Do we get rid of Vladimir Putin? Nothing gets better until that happens. And then, of course, we have to decide who's going to replace him. And is he any better or is he worse? I can't imagine he'd be worse because Vladimir Putin is about as bad as you can possibly get at this point. But there has to be some changes and there has to be something happen in Russia in order for this situation to stop. I wanted to bring one other thing, not related to the Ukraine war necessarily, but it's something to think about. According to a report from the Associated Press, taxpayers are paying $2 million a month, not a year, a month, for around-the-clock security for former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, that piece of shit, and one of his aides. Apparently, extra security, uh, those measures are being taken due to serious and credible threats to him and uh, a man by the name of Brian Hook, who is an assistant of his. The protection has been uh, repeatedly extended by current Secretary of State Anthony Blinken because of a serious threat from a foreign power and or an agent of said foreign power. Now, here's the deal. Mike Pompeo right now is a private citizen. He is no longer the Secretary of State. Now, he's a dumb motherfucker. He's an arrogant motherfucker. And no doubt he's pissed off some foreign leader someplace, and they want to kill him. And to be perfectly honest, if they want to kill him, they are going to fucking kill him. And as much as I hate to see anybody murdered or die, why are we still protecting this guy to the tune of $2 million a fucking month? 12 to $13 million a year. And how long does that go on? Well, if you worked in an administration like Donald Trump's administration, typically what happens is you get protection for 180 days after the president, in that case, Donald Trump, leaves office. And then when that 180 days is done, yon yon, motherfucker. <laughs> but in the case with Pompeo and uh, his advisor or his assistant, the threats were so bad that Blinken has extended it multiple times. So it's gone between uh, farther than the 180 days. It's now gone well over a year that we continue to pay money to protect Mike Pompeo. Whenever I saw Mike Pompeo, he is a uh, <clears throat> big, uh, big-time liar, big-time Trump humper, big-time anti-Democrat, Democratic um, uh, system, I should say. Of course, he's against the Democrats, but he's against democracy as well. And we're protecting him. Why? If he pissed somebody off enough that they want to kill him, that's his fucking problem, not ours. He wasn't a good Secretary of State in the first place. He wants to run for president in 2024. We don't owe him fuck all. He needs to have that protection lifted. Stop um, taking $2 million a month out of the American coffers and uh, deal with his own fucking problems. I don't know why Blinken keeps extending it. I mean, if he ends up getting murdered because he pissed somebody off, 
It's not going to change my day. I don't want people dying, of course, but these fuckers are specifically egregious to me because they did everything they could to overturn the election, undermine democracy, and overthrow the government. And that is a crime that's unforgivable. Not so much for me, but it's going to have some serious effects on my kids and my grandkids. And that's too far for me. I'm not going to let that happen if I can stop it. And the fact that we're protecting this guy, it's bullshit. We don't need to be doing this. We need to let him go out on his own and suffer the consequences of his actions, whatever they fucking are. I don't even know. But apparently somebody wants him dead. And uh, <clears throat> again, that's his problem. It shouldn't be our problem. You know, we, uh, we keep hearing about how they don't want to give money to the middle class because we can't afford it. But we can protect a former Secretary of State to the tune of $2 million every fucking month. And there is no end in sight. Because these people aren't going to say, okay, we're not going to kill him now. Apparently, this could go on forever. And then what do we put this guy on the uh, government dole for protection for the next 20 years? No, we aren't going to do that. At some point, he's got to stand on his own two feet and deal with what he created for himself. And I'm sorry if he gets attacked or murdered or whatever, but, you know, that kind of comes with the job. It's a dangerous job working in an administration, especially one like he did with Donald Trump. There's plenty of people that don't like them, and there's crazy fucks out there that might try to take a pot shot at them. Well, too fucking bad. Too fucking bad. You asked for the job, and now you have to deal with the consequences. Again, like I've said many times before, you fucked around, you found out. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast for another day. Hope uh, you have a great day today. I want to thank you very much for listening, taking the time to do that. And uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.